Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. Struggle Creates Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 17-year-old Josh McLaughlin. Josh's story is one that I personally relate to a lot, and I know a lot of other hockey players, men, and people in general will relate to as well. He talks a lot about self-harm, depression, anxiety, and what overall mental health is like, not only in hockey, but just in everyday average life. He's one who possesses great strength with his mental health struggles, and he's here today being vulnerable and proving that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to go through things in your life. And honestly, I commend him for that. He is so strong, and especially being such a young individual who's making a difference I hope that you listen to this. I hope that you love what he has to say and just know that it's okay to not be okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Josh, for obviously coming onto the podcast, being vulnerable enough, strong enough, and honestly, just open enough in general to speak about your mental health story. It's never, ever easy to do this, especially as a male, as a hockey player, and as someone as young as yourself. And someone who almost is kind of always in that light of judgment, if you, like, if you will, and it's, it's never easy. So first and foremost, I just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I I appreciate you having me on. I remember, uh, I've always, I kind of always wanted to get on here. I remember you telling me about it up at the bar last New Year's when somehow I snuck in with my brothers (laughs) and ran into you. So yeah, I know I've been looking forward to it and I appreciate you having me on and yeah, I think, you know what, like just with everything going on with this whole pandemic thing, people are at home, people are down a little bit more. Like, I think I can't even go on social media right now without seeing a depressing post, like every mm-hmm. two, three uploads you see, like, I don't know, I just recently deleted my Instagram, mm-hmm. like I can't, I just found, get, I need to get off that for a little bit. My, like that app, TikTok, I don't know if you're on there. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's, that's like the worst thing I've ever been on. It's just... <laughs> So I thought, you know, like if, if I heard someone going through the same stuff that I was three years ago, I think it would help me a huge, huge amount. So it's just, you know, kind of swallow your pride, suck it up and get out there and share your story. So appreciate you giving me a platform to do that. Of course. Yeah, no. And, and that's literally it is, especially in these times, it's such a weird and tough time to honestly just kind of feel like yourself and yeah do normal things <laughs> because yeah especially like right now there's so many things that are going into lockdown and nothing's the same everywhere you walk there's everyone has to have a mask on you can't hug anyone you can't shake anyone's hand like just the way we go about our everyday life is so much different and I know there's a lot of people and I've had a lot of conversations about it but just everyone's life has kind of been uprooted and it's it's hard on like some people love it honestly like some people some people are fine yeah some people are fine but there's a lot of others and even myself like I'm a huge social butterfly and it kills you sometimes and it's tough and you just want to be either around your teammates around your friends around classmates whoever it may be and you can't and that's the harsh reality of it and it does wear and tear on some people but as much as those things suck it also has this oh just this crazy crazy effect on people with jobs and people are trying to put their kids through all this stuff and they're losing their jobs and it's just 
it's a disaster. But we'll check. It's weird to think about. Like I remember last year around this time, probably like actually just hearing about this thing and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I'm actually walking in the mall like two weeks ago with my brother, and I remember. Oh gosh, I might have been like eight or nine, and I'm walking in Orchard Park Mall or whatever it's called, and I see this guy wearing a mask, and honestly, like my first thing I thought, I'm like, man, this guy's a loser. <laughs> like just, <laughs> and then we're walking around, and like there's not a person without a mask, and like I just have like a bit of a realization, I'm like this is weird. Like mm-hmm. what what a year it's been, and for me now, it's I think there's you know been like so many negatives i guess if you were just looking on an outlook of my life in the last few years and it's just kind of like what what good can you get out of that like for me i was telling you on the phone earlier some girl in my math class like i don't know if she got it or if her parents got it but i get an email saying i gotta isolate and honestly that's like my biggest fear like i can't be stuck in a room like my adhd's through the roof like i need to get out i need to be going talking to people and i was just like holy like are you kidding me like it just like kind of clicks in and then I went to get tested and I was like okay it's a little more serious than I thought and I don't know it's it's crazy but I just like trying to find those positives out of it like I've had some time with my mom and her boyfriend here at home the last few days that I feel like you know what like I was I was living at home and all that this past year but like I was always out I was always going to do stuff um so it's just you know nice to like get some get some family time I guess like yeah no just yeah, I just realized like those are the people that are always kind of going to be there, and mm-hmm. yeah, so it's been it's been alright, I guess. Just <laughs> take the pros with the cons and just kind of roll with it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. No, and there's always like different ways to look at it, and I know for myself that was a nice part of it was that kind of got to take that step back and obviously kind of think a lot about myself and spend a lot more time with my family, see my like my parent or my at least my mom was always home due to um having to work from home due to this whole covid pandemic and um so it's been like there's definitely like your there are ups and downs with it and there's a lot of things that suck but then there's also a lot of positives and honestly like i don't know it just depends how you how you look at it and how you kind of you take it and how you benefit from it either you take (laughs) take this whole entire lockdown lockdown period and just do nothing and nothing beneficial and don't really let your thoughts ponder too much or you start getting your brain rolling and start figuring out different ways to to move forward and benefit yourself but it's everyone's different and everyone will do different stuff but you know it's it's crazy yeah well like I said, I appreciate you having me on the podcast here and I'll kind of get into a little bit of my story here with it. Absolutely. Um, so I didn't like looking back on it. I have like a lot of, I guess, a different perspective than a lot of people do, like the whole mental health stuff. Um, when I, my mom had a partner and I was, I was in grade six, I think, or something like that. And I like, just remember the day, like clear, like I said, it was yesterday and uh, April 10th. It would have happened on he had a 13 year old son dylan who i knew for quite a bit dylan bud and um i don't even know what happened there like really like there he didn't leave a note or anything like that i just remember going down on my birthday unfortunately which was the 11th and you know having that my dad drives me down there and i meet my mom there and she's just like you know what like dylan had an accident and i was just like i like mature enough at that point to know something's up like something happened and you go like I see FBI vehicles and the driveway and stuff just starts clicking in. And anyway, the night before he had shot himself in the head with a shotgun and took his life. So that was a, was a 
big eye-opener for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that whole year, the next year, actually, I might have been in grade seven or grade six. I can't remember in, in between those two years anyway. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of when I started getting like into more competitive in hockey. My stepbrother had moved to BC to be with us to go to Pursuit of Excellence Academy. And that was the thing out here. So we were all busy you know, we were all doing our thing. And it just got like so chaotic with all that stuff going on. And my mom stepped up and she had to quit her job to go support Tom, you know, and just that, that still and that and uh, all that stuff. And fast forward, um, Jackson's looking at other hockey opportunities in Calgary and he's going into his graduation year. So we find out about the edge school and kind of do our research and things like that. And I ended up getting an offer to play varsity hockey there. Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to play male prep didn't work out. We ended up both playing varsities on the midget. I'm on Bantam. And that was, I would have been grade eight. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I started to like see a lot of the stuff um, happening in my life. Personally, I remember going to California in March, right after our playoffs. Like I just, I wanted out of Calgary so bad. Like I just remember like there were nights, like I just couldn't sleep and I didn't really know what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had been diagnosed previously with ADHD HI, which is a hyper impulse disorder. So it's like, you have that attention deficit thing, which is always hard in a classroom setting. And for a young kid, like I can never focus on school. Like you gave me a piece of paper. I wasn't doing anything on it. I was running around. (laughs) I'm doing stuff it got to the point where like my teacher mrs adamson grade six that she'd just be like you know what go for a lap and she'd go make me do laps of the school and things like that so i could never sit still and the hyper impulse stuff was like you just you do things without thinking like and that's when i think it started to kind of get bad and i also got diagnosed with an anxiety disorder um and i didn't really think too much of it didn't really know what it was at that point i was just okay whatever we started going on medication for adhd and I just felt like when I took that medication, like I was on a couple different ones and I was not myself. I was, it was like an outer body experience the whole time. And you're drugged up pretty much from the minute you wake up till you come home from school. And then I'm on another medication to last a little bit where I need to do my homework. So it was always like, I was like never fully in control, which I hated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went on a new medication. And I just felt my mood swings go up and down. And I think it started to get bad in grade eight, especially. Um, I just remember like hitting myself a lot. Like when I get frustrated, like I would just start smoking myself in the face and like, I didn't even know why and like all that stuff. And so that was, that was a tough part there. Um, and then that was in about March when we were down in California, like my mood was up and down. Like I was so unstable. Like I, it's like, I couldn't even talk to people about it. Cause I couldn't describe what it was like. It's like, you feel like the world's ending some some minutes and you don't know what to do and you're freaking out in your mind and you don't know if hey this is happening or if your mind's playing tricks on you like and you, you kind of feel trapped to an extent and then we get back home in april uh late april we got a call and it was uh my mom saying that tom's oldest son peyton had taken his life so he had just gone back from university. So then there's two stepbrothers that have just committed suicide. And it, like, it makes it a reality. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes it like, like as much as it affected you, like now in my mind, I'm like, that's an option. Mm-hmm. And like, you see how it unfolded. And I think that's like 
one of the things I always tell myself is like, look how much that affected you as like not being necessarily in their lives a crazy amount. Mm-hmm. Like think of like how it would affect your mom and stuff like that. And so that was really tough. And I spent the next year in Calgary again. And I thought that was the right thing to do. Like I'm playing good hockey. I'm in grade nine. Like I'm playing triple A. You can't really ask for a whole lot more. And mm-hmm. I, I don't really know my whole identity. I didn't really know what I liked. I didn't, I wouldn't hang out with people outside of hockey and I felt like I was just like stuck, like stuck in this. Like I couldn't, couldn't go like a girl because they're like, Oh, you're, you're a classic hockey douche. Like this persona that it carries and all that stuff. So like they got, got to that point and it's like, I didn't really know how to navigate that at all. And I'd come home to Cologne in the summers and like, they'd be the best summers, like with all my friends and stuff like that. And it'd, it'd be all right. And, then it's like I'd move away again and like the problems would just get a lot worse. My grade nine year in Calgary, like I was so sad the whole time. I just remember like being down and I couldn't get myself out of these little, little divots, I guess, or whatever you call them. It was like, my emotions were just on a roller coaster. Like one day they're up, one day they're down. And the hardest thing was, is something so little could affect me. Like I could like, I don't even know what it was. Like if I'm doing a project and I write outside the line, it's like, man that mood my mood shot for the whole day and it's like I just couldn't control that and then I came back it got to the point where I was like I had the option to go to Regina with my dad in April that year or early March and or go back to Kelowna with my mom and I'm like yeah I got like I gotta go home so I go home no issues everything's all good having a great time seeing my buddies you know finishing up grade nine and then that summer like something was a little off I'd say um, started partying a little bit more, I guess. And I was like still pretty young for that, but I had grown up with brothers that are five years older than me. So I felt like I was always kind of my crowd. I felt I can get along with kids my age. I felt like I was more mature than them mentally. And then where I struggled was like, okay, I know I'm more mature than these kids, but it's like, I can't even get a grip on my emotions. So it's always like, you're, you're playing this mind game back and forth with yourself and, mm-hmm. So all it's going good. And I make a decision that summer to go to Regina. Mm-hmm. I knew no one. I showed up there the first day. My brothers came and helped me move. And then they were gone. And I was on my own. And it was like the loneliest thing ever. And I remember those were kind of when like the panic attacks started to happen. Um, just looking at Snapchat stories, like having the fear, just missing out or missing everything back home. And mm-hmm. it, it was just so tough. And it was like, I don't regret making that decision to go because those two years I spent there, like I had to do some like soul searching, I'd say hockey didn't end up working out. I turned down an opportunity out here because I thought I, in my mind, like there's go to OHA and they wouldn't let me know if I was going to play varsity or E15s mm-hmm. and me being an egotistical 15 year old. I'm like, okay, fuck you. If you're not going to tell me what I'm playing, like I'm going to go play AAA somewhere else. I didn't play AAA. I went, I did really well at their camp. I went to the double A camp, um, played great. Like did my thing. I was doing good coming off a good summer. I just got out of Edmonton Oil Kings camp, which I thought I was one of the better goalies at. Mm-hmm. I went to Princeton university that summer and skated with them, which was an awesome experience and kind of gave you a taste of like, okay, this is what I, I can accomplish. How do I do that? And then nothing out of the triple A tryouts, nothing out of the double A tryouts. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm coming off a Bantam AAA season, playing Alberta Cup, going to Torrey Universities, going to Western Hockey Camps, and I'm playing midget A hockey. Mm-hmm. And I'm out there the whole time, and I'm like, I if I threw skates on and a pair of gloves, like I could go, I could 
be a player out here. Like it was, it was bad and it was bad hockey. So it was like finding that motivation to get up and go to the rink every day was a little tough. And I was playing hockey at school here and there. And I'd say the only kid that I knew at that school was Cole Sillinger who had played hockey out here and been drafted to the Western hockey league. And I'd be kind of had some mutual buddies. So he talked me into going into this Martin Academy school, which was one of the best decisions I ever made. Not academically, I'll tell you that. It was like the third worst academic school in the province. <laughs> like it was just brutal. But like the guys there were awesome. And, you know, they kind of helped me get through that. And I was making all these new friendships and things like that. And grade 10, and a grade 10, I had my first girlfriend. I'm like, oh, this is awesome or whatever. And like, oh, of course that doesn't work out. Like, it's like, so I came back to Kelowna for the summer which not this past summer the year before and everything was good like doing everything fine and I was I'd find myself like I get depressed in the winters a lot and then right in the spring everything kind of seemed to do well and my grade 11 year like I was just in this like I don't even I can't get out of it and I was just so sad all the time and I just I didn't want to go do anything. I didn't even like getting out. Like people were like, Oh, you're doing great in hockey and stuff like that. And it's like, man, like, I wish you would see like me winning a game. That's not an accomplishment. My accomplishment was getting out of bed this morning yeah. and finding the motivation to go do stuff and all that. And then yeah, I never really dealed with it. I use hockey as a big distraction as I had in the past and kind of put up a front around my friends and like, which also came back to bite me in the ass. Cause then it's like, people I'm um, thinking on this fake person and things like that. But it's like, I'm so genuinely unhappy with who I am that I feel like the person I can make up in my head, I like better, you know? So I felt like I was doing that and I was still doing that this year and winter goes by, I came back to Kelowna for a bit and that's where we ended up meeting up at Snowshoe Sounder and talking about that <laughs> podcast. And then I went home and all was good. And then getting playoffs and I was just still like so sad. And I was just like at a point where I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't want to keep doing this anymore. Um, and then the quarantine happened and I was so scared of being alone. Like I, some nights I don't trust myself alone to not go grab a knife or something like that, you know, and just say, you know what, like tonight's a night. And I just remember calling my brother, my stepbrother Jackson, actually like three, four times a day, begging him to come out and just like, dude, please like come get me, like come rescue me or whatever. And it's, I'm in a tough position because I feel like I can't talk to my dad or my stepmom about it, even though they're there. I just felt like I felt trapped in a way. And I ended up, Jackson ended up coming out to Regina with me um, like for two and a half weeks. And we ended up coming back to Kelowna, still in lockdown, obviously. And I'm still having issues. Like I'm still so sad and the anxiety is getting so worse. And I remember in the middle of May, like I hadn't told any of my buddies about it. I'm out, I'm drinking, I'm having a fun time. I'm, you know, posting stuff on my social media to make myself look happy, look fine. And then we go out drinking in May and I get like, I just kind of blacked out. Like, I don't remember what happened. And I woke up at home and my wrist was sliced right open. Like I had tried killing myself that night. And at that point I had signed in Yorkton, Saskatchewan to go play for the mall. There's midget triple A team out there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I signed. Like I wanted to go so bad. And I think I just wanted to get away from home and just go be on my own. Like I just, was just so done with everything. And I had signed there and it's all going well. It's like, you're looking at it from an outside perspective. Like, look, I'm going into my graduation year. I'm going to play midget triple A, regardless if the team's good or not. I'm in that league. Like I'm around those people and you'd think everything's going fine. Like I'm having a great summer in Kelowna, but it was just, I was in such a bad place. 
And um, fast forward to the end of May, I ended up meeting a girl named Taylor Martin, who I ended up getting in a relationship with, which unfortunately, you know, it's it just kind of ended there. Um, and honestly, like, I can't thank her enough for everything she did through that. And we met at one of my buddies and she just, she told me like she could tell just by talking to me that night that I was hurting and it's like, no one knew, but it's also like, I, I was putting up this front and it's like little does everyone know, like 13 nights before, like I tried killing myself and I hadn't told anyone about this. I'm wearing long sleeve shirts everywhere. And it's like 30 degrees out. And mm-hmm. like, I'm just so scared and, and I'm hiding it. And like the cutting continued through June, I'd say. And it just got to a point where like the only satisfaction I would get was like that, that wound healing, you know, like that actually like watching the healing process of like me slitting a wrist open or splitting or slitting my hip open. It was like, that was like satisfaction to me. And it was so bad. And I was in such this dark place and Taylor was kind of the only one I opened up with too. And I started opening up to my brother and then I'm checking the date and I had asked her to be my girlfriend and the end of start of July july 5th or whatever it was probably gonna kill me that i don't know the date but um towards the end of the month like i'm supposed my bags are supposed to be packed i'm like i'm supposed to be going to yorkton on the 21st and i just remember going back and forth like 10 days leading up to there and i'm like look like i i had a plan like august 2nd or 3rd when i got there and when i got to training camp like i was going to take my life before the season started like that was my plan i was like okay if i'm going to yorkton i'm not coming back like I was just going to either find a rope or find a blade, you know, and just get it over with. Um, and that, that scared me so much. Like, I don't know why I was so scared of it. Um, because it's like, I felt like in my head, like I just didn't want to feel it anymore. Not necessarily that I hated my life, but I just find this myself constantly in this loop in my head that like, I would always end up back in this one place, no matter how good life was going, no matter how good, you know, my relationship was or how many friends I had or how well hockey was going. It's like, I always found myself back in this place and I didn't know how to get out of it. Then I just remember contemplating like back and forth those 10 days. And I remember calling my dad and I'm like, can I, if I go to Yorkton, can I, can I please come back to Kelowna in March and graduate here? Cause like, I just felt like I got a better, not that my dad and my stepmom are great people. Like I owe them everything the, the things they've done for me. It's just like, I felt for me, for my mental health, it was better to be in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. And if that meant not playing hockey, that meant not playing hockey. And so about four days before I had to go to York, and I remember I was just breaking down and crying every day. And I ended up calling my coach, Ed Zawatsky, who was a great guy. He only understood more than anyone. And I called him. I just remember I'm on the phone with him for like three, four hours, just crying. And I'm like, look, like, I don't, I'm sorry. I can't come. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to let you know this now. And this is like five, six days before training camp. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like I, I cannot come out. Like, I got to I gotta deal with this. And you know what? Like, I feel like I'm still dealing with it. But it's also like it gets better mm-hmm. to a point. And it was like that, that summer I was getting panic attacks, like left and right. And for things I don't even know. And the anxiety would get so bad sometimes that you don't know how to react other than just to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's nights where like I'm on phone with a phone with someone like not like you're and it, it's so toxic because you're not trying to do it but like you're calling someone and you're looking like that's your cry for help like you're looking to get talked off the ledge mm-hmm. and I I just you know opening up just helped me so much and I ended up seeing a counselor out here and 
I'm looking into going on to some antidepressants here this next month just to try it out or yeah. see if that helps. And I still feel like I'm dealing with this anxiety here. But I think just the people, the friend group I was with at the start of May, I distanced myself from. I started, you know, hanging out with my family a lot more. Taylor, obviously, because that was a support system for me. And that was someone that I could, you know, be myself around or I didn't have to put this front up. And, you know, like she, she just understood and when I having panic attacks, like that just felt so good, just, you know, to be held by that one person. And like, regardless how things are with her and I, like, I can't, like, that's something like no one can ever take away. Like, I can't thank that person enough for doing that. Like I, I told her the other day, I'm like, like, I, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done because like you genuinely like saved my life. Like, I don't think I would be here without you today. Um, and so that's something like I'm super thankful for. And like, I'm still figuring this out as we go. And I feel like just if someone else is going through this and is going to listen to this on the off chance to click on the wrong podcast or something, and it can help, like it's got to get out there. Like, it's just now it's like looking outside of hockey. Like I love hockey. And I was actually fortunate enough, you know, when I uh, decided not to go to Europe and I gave uh, a guy in West Kelowna a call who, told me that um, a guy by the name of Jason Beckett was coaching the Okanagan Rockets this year. And Jason and my family have some connections. He taught my stepbrother Jackson or coached him at pursuit for two years. So I gave him a call and, you know, he said, come out to the trial, like come, come do this or come whatever. And, you know, I like, I was committed, but I wouldn't say I was fully committed. I skated once the six months I had off before the tryout. And I was in Alberta and Regina a week before coming back kind of scrambling. And then, I ended up making the team and like, honestly, that was one of the best decisions I ever made because like the guys on that team, like, man, like they're some of the best guys I've ever met, you know, and like, they're not, a lot of people have this perspective, like hockey guys are douchebags or things like that. And it's like, you don't understand, like, unless you're in that locker room, having those conversations with those people, like these guys are showing up day in and day out and they're putting this as a priority and they're prioritizing you and they're here for you and like they're here to help you and like that's just been such a great experience like even i didn't think we'd even have the opportunity to play this year mm-hmm. and we ended up playing 11 games and winning all of them so like we're we're doing really well and we're still practicing here and there obviously i can't be at the rink the last two weeks because of this yeah. whole COVID thing which such a joke <laughs> but yeah so like it's just that was that was one of the best things because it's like it gave me like a reason to wake up every day and go do something and being held accountable for 20 other guys. Like you're the goalie. Like if you don't show up, like what are they going to do? Right. So it's just like an extra reason to get up and go do something for myself and Mm -hmm. do a whole lot of that. So I think that's huge. And honestly, like hockey, like I would say it saved my life too. Like just those people and those friendships and those connections that I met, like no one can take those away from you. Like no matter if your team's getting pumped every game or not, like it, you're going to hang out with these people outside of the rink and just like genuinely some of the best people I've ever met there. And they've helped me through that. And like, they're still helping me through that. And I'm still figuring all this out. Like this last week's probably been like one of the worst weeks I've had in a while. Um, you know, like I, I can't even like really eat right now. I feel like, I cry, you know, every time before I go to bed and wake up. And it's like, I'm just letting that happen. Like, and if I just need to cry, like, who cares? Just go, go cry, go call a friend, go see your brother, be open with these people. Because like, you can't say that no one's there for you if you don't reach out, mm-hmm. you know, like people are always going to have your back and like your loved ones. Like I'm fortunate enough to have a great support system. 
and everywhere, you know, I've, they've got my back there. So I've just been trying to utilize that and just, I feel like I get more out of picking up the phone and calling someone to help them like that, that helps me too. Mm-hmm. So like things like you're doing, you know, like it's just, it's good stuff and it's, it's helping people more than you think. And yeah, like I, it's a grind right now. And like, I don't really know what, what to do next. So I'm figuring that out as I go, like I'm 17. I don't know if I want to go play hockey next year again or go to school, like, and that stuff kind of scares me. So it's like figuring all that out. But I remember texting you the other day, like how uncomfortable I was just feeling like emotionally. And I was just like, man, like I'm actually like, I gotta look at this, like how blessed am I to be in a situation that I'm uncomfortable in? Because like, like if you, you fuck up in life or you do something wrong, you get more positives out of it than you think. Is it going to suck for a little bit? Yeah. Right. But like everything's a learning experience. It's like, take what you can. If someone comes into your life and leaves, what did they bring into your life that you liked? Right. If a situation works out with hockey, great. If it doesn't, what can you learn from that? If you go and get cut from a team, what, what do you have to improve on? You know, like just those little things. It's like just trying to be more optimistic and more positive because I feel like when you get in this negative mindset, like no one's going to get you out of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That <laughs> just your, your whole everything is one touches on all of my stuff like a hundred percent yeah um and oh my gosh like i'm not gonna lie you had me you you that you had tears in my eyes multiple times through that because for the lone fact that i just relate so much to so many of the things that you said and one of the biggest things i would say is when you talked about like when you would have cuts on your wrists and you wear long sleeves every day and the, the sense of um, I forget how you worded it, but basically that the sense of relief was, or I guess accomplishment was when you'd see the, was when you would actually see the scars start to come over and it would start healing. Yeah. And for me, I know that exact feeling like yeah. an absolute T. And I remember there's, there's times for myself as well, when I would harm myself and it would be in the middle of summer and I would be like, what do I do? Cause I don't want people to see it. I don't want to have bandages all over my arms. And that's when I would literally do the exact same. I would wear a long sleeve. And then somebody would ask me about why am I wearing a long sleeve in 30 degree weather they make up some off the charts, stupid lie. And it's just like, you keep lying to yourself. And then as soon as you're, you're healed, it's like, Oh my God, that's the biggest sense of relief ever. Like, finally I can take off this shirt and put on a short sleeve. But in reality, it's like, you want that sense of relief of lifting off that, the long sleeve of mental health, like all the mental health struggles. And you want to be like, you want to feel good. You want to feel free. You want to feel that same sense of relief is when you can actually roll up your sleeve and nobody says a word. Nobody looks at you differently. Everyone thinks that, Oh, okay. You're normal yeah. or you're, you're okay. Like you're doing okay. You don't want to be hiding your wrists or hiding form, like any form of your body, like all the time. And even for you, you, you talked about how like you would self-harm your hips. And I mean, yeah. in my podcast, I said the same thing and 
I don't know. I think it's just because when you're, it's just like such an easy way to hide it. But yeah, it's like, again, it's just that self, like basically just self-harming. Yeah. Using it as a coping mechanism is so, like, it's so wrong. But when you're in it and you're doing it, you see the different light of it that's when you actually kind of sit back and you you're like this feels terrible but it feels so like it's so good because like the pain that you feel is almost like it makes you think that you can almost go through anything and yeah it's like (laughs) listen at that like you think you're weak and all that but it's like okay, I got like 13, 14 slashes on my wrist and it's like, I'm strong for not just like, I'm not, I'm not the biggest guy or whatever, but if I put enough pressure on my wrist, like I'll, I'll slice that RV right open with a knife. Yeah. And you're, you're strong for not doing that. And I just remember like one day, the hardest part was like, I had slept my wrist open so bad in my hip and I punched myself in the face to the point where like I, my eye was black then I'm just sitting at my girlfriend's table, like dinner table with her family. And it's just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, like I just had this realization and it's just like, man, like it just, it confuses you and you feel like you're weak and you feel like you're lost, but it's like, there's other people going through this too. And it's like, you're not the only one. And it's like, can other people help you? And it's like, you got to figure this out on your own to an extent. Like you got to find what that is inside of you. That's making you do that. But it's also like, give yourself some credit too, you know, because it's like, I think one of the best things I ever heard my mom said, and I'd expressed that I wanted to take my life to her. And obviously her being in a situation that where she had a partner that lost two kids, like this is that serious to her. And she's just like, do it tomorrow. Right. She's just like, that's the best advice I ever heard is tell someone to do it tomorrow. And the odds that they do it are pretty fucking low because it's like when you're, people don't understand like when you're reacting like that or doing something like that, like you're not thinking clearly. Mm -hmm. You are not in a state where you should be doing, making decision-making. And it got to a point where sometimes like Taylor used to take my keys. Like if I was upset, she's not letting me drive. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're not thinking clearly. It's like, Hey, have you eaten today? Have you had a shower? Have you done something for yourself today to help Mm -hmm. you with this? And it's like, Hey, you haven't eaten in two and a half days. Right your anxiety is off the charts your mood is whatever it is whatever is affecting that and it's like yeah you're not gonna make a conscious decision and Mm -hmm. that's like the hardest part and i just remember expressing someone to them when i was like a little bit intoxicated i know i'm probably getting shit for this come on 17 but like it's got i gotta say it like Mm -hmm. when you're when those things are coming out like that like something's wrong because it's like you're you got no filter anymore right you're not trying to pretend or trying to do something like that so for me that was when it was really like okay let's get a grip on this yeah and still figuring that out now like I remember like four days ago like I'm just driving around because I can't do anything and I'm just like I looked up on my phone like how do you properly slit a wrist without hurting and just nail the artery Mm -hmm. and it just like scared me so much and I think like before it was like you think of all the outcomes and stuff like that and i think the thought of it was it was actually like more satisfying than it was and like i just stepped back from that situation and i had to go watch a movie with my parents at night and just like calm myself down turn my phone off for a bit like that's a big thing for me is like getting off my phone um 
than just breathing. Like just take a couple deep breaths mm-hmm. and call someone, call your brother, like call. I like, I don't even know. And it's just like, it's this constant, it's a day in and day out battle and people don't understand that. It's like mm-hmm. when they ask why you're sad or someone would ask me why I'm sad. It's like, I can't answer that question because I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why I woke up in mood today or I don't know why I'm taking my shit out on you today, but I am, you know? And it's like, I, I say the last two months, like I've really grinded that out and like figured out some ways and some healthy coping mechanisms and just like, it's, uh, I was explaining this to someone last night. I'm like, okay, you're building something like you, you have this, your life is this, say this architect or this building, right. And you're, you're trying to build that and you have the layout, you have the blueprints and all that. And it's like, just cause you get stuck on one thing doesn't mean you can't do it. It's like, you got to look in your toolbox and you, you don't at 17, you don't have half of the things you're going to have in your toolbox that you're going to have at 25. Cause your brain's not developed for another eight years mm-hmm. for another eight years. You're not going to have this stuff figured out. So it's like grind it out till then. It's, and it's like, go out, talk to people, speak to people. Like so many people are going through this and it's like the little, little bit of advice. It's like, like that can go the longest way I find. And mm-hmm. So really for me, like recently I've been reading a lot more, believe it or not a big reader, but I don't mind a good book. <laughs> um, <laughs> listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, talking to people, reaching out, helping other people with their stuff. And like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing well, you know, and mm-hmm. feeling like I'm healthier, but it's also like I got to do some other stuff to make myself healthier for the other people in my life too. You know? And it's like, that was like the, one of the hardest things like to realize it's like, Hey, I got to be better a for myself, but for this person or that person too, you know? And it's like, I owe that to them mm-hmm. to, to yeah. be a better person than myself. And I also owe it to myself. And it's like, yeah, you got to give yourself credit because some days, you know, like you're, you're going to be down and you got to remind yourself, look like you've had 20 days like this, 30 days like this. And it's like, you've gotten through all those tough days. It's like just one more, like just keep kicking, you know? And it's like, I think that the hardest part of that is when you are going through those days and having to go to the rink and put a mask on and like no one knows. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, man, if you got to go to a teammate and cry in front of him, he's not going to care and he's not going to judge you, believe it or not. Like he'd rather you go do that than that be the last time he ever saw you, you know? So it's like, use, use the people around you. Like we're so equipped in this day and age, like we're one phone call away. We're one article away from having a better life, you know? And it's just like podcasts like this, like getting people on there. Like, I don't know how many people you've interviewed, but it's like, look, everyone's, everyone's got their own story and everyone's going through this and none of them really necessarily look the same. It's like, there are different ways around this. And it's like, you, you can get through this, you know, it's like, you are stronger than you think. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, you, you have you got the power, you know, you have the power to end it or you got the power to keep it going. So it's like, yeah. play your yeah. cards. Literally. And that's, 100% it is that like, I don't know there's so many things that you say and I know that I could go on for hours about it <laughs> and um but that's definitely one of them is that like nobody looks the exact same and everyone has a different story everyone has gone through something different everyone has coped with their struggles different ways everyone like there's so many different things and so many different struggles in the world with within so many different people. And that's the factor of it is that like everyone does struggle to some extent or another, but everyone does. And just 
and even just coming back to this podcast and like seeing all the different people and how like that was my biggest thing that I always harp is like I'm never going to limit it to one specific gender one specific group of people one specific anything because I want to prove that like you can be anyone in the world and have some form of struggle and you may not think that this person has struggles but they have them and you have them I have them everyone has them and so the people that come on the podcast that's when I get most motivated and I almost like I love looking back at all the different people because I'm like holy cow like this story was 100% different than this story this story is kind of similar to this story but they're two totally different people and it's just like you see the differences but then you see some similarities and then you see how people can relate to it and it's just like it's just this big cycle and then you realize that like mental health consumes everyone in yeah. positive and negative ways and yeah, that, like it's, it doesn't just consume you like i noticed being in a relationship the last six months like look mm-hmm. it's dragging this other person down too and that's when i said like i owe it to them to go get this stuff figured out exactly do all that and it's like you can't always be relying on someone like sure if you're 30 and you got a husband or a wife or whatever i no judgment <laughs> do what you want to do it's like yeah maybe rely on them too but it's like still at 17 like we're so young and so many kids are sad and it's like mm. open up to an adult you know like yeah. do someone get someone with something life experience and all that and i think especially for hockey players it's like bring let's bring this to light because it's like man so many kids are struggling in that locker room and no one's got a fucking clue yeah no one knows coach doesn't know like you're shitting on the kid for being 30 minutes late. Like maybe he can, like for me, I've gotten in shit for being late to the ice and I've just been sitting in my car crying, just mm-hmm. right. Like just trying to get going and yeah. or I'm struggling. And there's some days where I've had to say, look, I got a family emergency and I can't go to the rink. Cause I'm having panic attacks and I'm having anxiety and I literally just need to lay in bed. And it's like, bring that to light. It's like, sure like these these kids might be popular and they might seem like they got everything going for them but like at the end of the day they're per, they're people they're mm-hmm. they're people too right and it's like the normalized speaking up like you're not you're actually tougher coming on here and talking about it than you are hiding and pretending like everything's all right exactly. so, it's, so it's like i think like once we finally get that i think we're taking good steps to get there and it's like you know what like that's when like that's when our job's done it's just making people feel comfortable yeah that's that's another thing too is just like crushing the stereotypes like the stereotypes killed me when I was like especially like even now to some extent like I always like there's certain people and I don't hate this by any means but just sometimes it's like you want to be you want to be known as who you are for your flaws for like your insecurities for the things that you've accomplished and the things that you didn't. And like, you just want to be acknowledged as who you truly are. And for me, when I was coming up into, into juniors, or even like, especially when I was in high school, in my younger years, I was, it was always like, Oh, like, yeah, you play hockey. And so then certain people wouldn't talk to you or they think that you're an asshole because you play hockey. And I'd be like, I'd be sitting there talking to them. I don't know how many times this happened, but I'd be sitting there talking to them, having a conversation with these people. And then they'd be like, oh, like, you're, act- you're actually pretty nice. And then I was like, thanks. Like, what was that supposed to mean? And then, they, yeah, and then they come back and they're like, 
oh, well, you're just like, you play a high level of hockey. So I kind of just like assumed that you were, you're kind of like that, that jerk, like that jock sort of type. And I was like, it's literally the furthest thing from what I am. I was like, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> people like I got like, I've had like girls be like, oh, you're, you're just like another, you're going to play us or like you're a stereotypical like douchebag. Yeah. It's like, have like sit your ass down and have an hour or two conversation with me and your perspective will be completely changed. It's like, give those people a chance. It's like, yeah, just because you're wealthy, your dad's got money, you drive a Mercedes, doesn't mean I'm over here saying, oh, you're a bitch and you're this. Yeah. It's like, come on, like, I got to know. I got That's my thing. It's like those guys in the locker room, especially with our group at Oak Hair, like that just had that. Those are some of the most genuine best guys we've ever met. And yeah. you know what? When we're not around, we're not, we don't talk about hockey. It's like we go to the rink, we're all at the level where we know like when it's time to turn it on and time to get going. Mm-hmm. Sure, maybe get that mindset a little bit around the rink. If that's going to help you succeed, that's going to help you succeed. But it's like outside of hockey, we're making jokes. We're talking about like what our day is looking like. And it's just like you, these people, they're normal kids. Mm-hmm. They're normal kids who just go and play the sport. Like some of the most introverted guys I've met that don't go out and don't talk or don't talk to girls or just like chill. Like they're mm-hmm. hockey players. Like it's like, we're not, I don't know. That's, know. that's something that always confused me. It's like, yeah. yeah. And, then, like, and then when you actually start to have these conversations and you actually sit down and you connect with people and then they're always stunned. And then yeah. especially like, I know it's always happens in relationships or like when you're starting to starting to try to find a new partner and all this stuff. And then, they're like they actually have conversations and then nine times out of ten it comes out that hockey players are like the softest guys and they, yeah, they always do the most caring stuff and I mean not everyone's like that I I do know some hockey players that are scummy but it's like in anything there's guys that walk down the street that are super scummy there's girls that are super scummy with certain things and mistreat people are disrespectful but I kind of want to tie this a little bit back to what you were talking about and how you said that you almost like you almost owe your life to this one person because of the things that they've helped you overcome. And for me, that's something that honestly, that one hit me hard and it did draw tears into my eyes because I, I felt that with like within every last inch of me, because last year when I was, when I tried to um, take my life, that's yeah. when it really, like, that's when my life just changed. I would say like yeah. entirely and my whole entire perspective on, on people, on love, support, respect, literally everything and how it changed. And I didn't realize it at the start, but it definitely like now it's all settled in and now yeah. I understand. And I know that we had this conversation a little bit before, but um, I think for me, when I was sitting in that, like the most vulnerable state of my whole entire life and feeling like, basically, like you said, it's, it's that feeling when you're not thinking anymore and you're just stuck in this spot where you just want your, you only like, you basically just want your life to be over and you're like, you're satisfied with your life. And you're just like, w- basically waiting for it's like the countdown and you're just waiting for when it's going to like when it's actually going to like when the clock's going to strike zero. And, um, but like in those States, when you're at that point and you are either considering it 
you're about to make an irrational decision or you already have made an irrational decision that's when like that's when you see people's true colors come out and you see how they react to the situation like if there's somebody around and like for me I was fortunate enough to have my like my ex-girlfriend there and her support and her love and just the way that she approached the scene was like something that will always, always, always play through my head, no matter what, no matter where I'm at, no matter where she's at. And like you just saying that how you like thanked like Taylor and thanked her for the things that she did. Like it literally had me at the point where I'm like, Oh my God, I got to like Texas girl and just thank her for literally saving my life. I I was actually on the phone with Taylor last night around the conversation and I'm like, look, like, like, I don't know, this is getting a little personal and she gave me permission to talk about some of the stuff. It was just like, when that ended, it's like, look, I'm at a place where I can't give you everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, I'm not the type of guy to go out and just go explore new people and go do all that. Like, I know what I like. Right. And I like structure in my life and I like having something stable. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I need a few months to go do this and really get this under control for myself and then I'm better for you but it's like don't I'm never gonna forget like the things you've done for me it's like you stepped up when no one would right you could have you could have gone man this kid's fucking nuts and laugh you know what I'm gonna go get a guy who doesn't cry himself to sleep or right doesn't have that isn't so attached to me but it's like I'm looking back on it I'm like man that's that's unreal on her part for getting up and doing that you know and it's like i can't thank her enough for that and it's like i'm always going to be appreciative of that and this isn't like i'm thinking in the future like i'm like man this isn't something i'm going to forget mm-hmm. and like this isn't just like oh it's another high school thing it's like no like that's like man, like i got a different definition of love when you're going through things like that and you're having people support you because like it's almost more than love you know it's not i think love's love's like a loves a decision you know it's not a feeling yeah and that's literally and that's the tough part especially coming into like when it all ties in with mental health and that's where you you honestly like that's why to some extent like I almost feel fortunate when I have my mental health struggles is because you you know that if you present them to a girl or for a girl that's struggling if you present them to a guy or whoever your sex is that you like when you are trying to be with them. And if you show them the most vulnerable side of yourself, or you just tell them like, I've done self-harm, I continue to do self-harm, whatever it is. Like if you tell them this and they run away right that second, it's like, obviously they're not right for you. It's like, but, I think you just did me a favor. Yeah, exactly. And then if they, if they stick around, they try to help you get better. They, they push you in the right direction. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like I can, it makes you want to be with that person more. And it like a healthy relationship is one where obviously like both people are benefiting, both people are pushing each other to be the best version of themselves. And then you don't have, you don't have all the negativity surrounding it. You don't have the extra stressors because you know that it's, it's support. And when you're together, 
you are even stronger than when you're apart and you're strong, you're strong individually, but you're even stronger when you're together. And like, that's such a cliche saying, but it's so, so true. And one of the things for me there is like, I always feel great when I was with her, but like when I'm not with her, I don't feel good about myself and who I am. And it's like, okay, let's figure that out. Yeah. Right. Because that's, that's nothing good's going to translate out of that. It's going to drag that person. And this is goals for anyone in life. Like that, it's like, be, be able to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I'm satisfied with what I see. Cause I get one body, right. I get one mind. This is it. Mm-hmm. It's like either I spend a waste four years of my life hating it, or it's like, get busy loving it. You know, when it's, once you're finally fully secure with yourself, then I feel like you're going to have a positive effect on everyone else in your life mm-hmm. because it's like you know you're confident you can make decisions based off like hey like i'm not putting up with that shit that could be for a friend or coworker, right like you're confident and respect yourself enough and then also it's like yeah like you know what like like i said you like why why spend that time hating like i know i i don't know necessarily love myself to the extent that i should but i'm working on it it's just like man you got one life you know what I'm saying? And it's like, for me, like, I really just want to help others. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing. I'd say like a big quote that helped me that I heard a number of years ago was don't count the days, but make the days count. Mm-hmm. It's always felt like the happiest times in my life were those two months I get to come back to Kelowna every summer. And it's like, I'm counting how many days I got to go until I'm leaving or whatever. It's like, no, like wake up every day, you know, go brush your teeth, go do whatever, pretty yourself up, get out the door and just, Go make someone smile. Like go, go do something nice for yourself or other people. Like just make make the world a better place in a sense. And it's like when playing hockey, it's like man, I got so many, not naming names. I got so many buddies that are have these opportunities in the Western Hockey League, and they're such pieces of shit. And they're like, I'm just being straight up. And like, there's so many other people. It's like, hey, dude you're going to be a male and a man a whole lot longer than you're going to be a hockey player. Absolutely. Right. It's like, go do your thing at the rink, but just be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like you're not like this, this doesn't, unfortunately, like some guys I know are, for, are going to be fortunate enough to, you know, go play pro, but it's also like, this doesn't last forever. Yeah. Till what? 40, 40 tops. 40 tops and if you don't make it what you're gonna go play in the western till you're 20 and go to college <laughs> in canada till you're 25 and then yeah wonder where to go from there it's like you're i don't know it's like people love assholes which is the weirdest thing i and i still don't understand it's like girls do like other guys do like just just in general like you get popularity from that and it's like okay you're gonna get respected a lot more for not doing that in the long run than you are doing you know like yeah and that's and i noticed that so much going through like all my hockey and high school like after high school everything and that's what i learned as well is like you see these people in public or like especially when i was playing in the like in the dub and you'd have these guys that would be like good hockey players and the biggest assholes ever and i'd be sitting there and be like what like exactly that why like what is the purpose what's the point who are you benefiting from this and it's like and then you have these guys these younger guys that will look at these like assholes and be like just like 
oh my god like all over them trying to be their buddy and trying to like be their best friend and and then you're just sitting there and it's like what makes you actually want to be friends with somebody like that like if i'm not playing hockey i would never ever associate myself with a person like that and like i personally have always loved somebody that's super mature loves to actually be nice caring you can sit down and have a conversation like this and it not be weird it just be natural normal and i always that's exactly what i always tried to surround myself with on my teams and not that i ever really had anybody that i was like okay yeah this guy is a loser but i've met a lot of people that are like that and it's just like there's no need for it you like you want to go to yeah you just you want it to be nice natural freaking caring for god's sakes like, like some of these guys are just so like the biggest thing that it's like gonna come to bite you and the ass and it's like my dad told me this once because like i was fortunate enough to grow up with him you know he played 20 years of pro football and mm-hmm. Saturday night is going into the hall of fame for stuff like that so it's like he had this nailed down in college when like he had a good idea that he was going pro like and he's like he told me don't do drugs. People are going to respect you more for not doing that in the long run. People are going to respect you more for saying, Hey, I'm staying in tonight. I got a big game tomorrow than coming out and going out with your buddies. And he just said, respect women. He's like, that will come back to bite you in the ass so hard. And it's like, there's, there's no need to not like, just cause you're on top of the world right now. And it's like, he said one day, like if you go out and you're, you're shit to a girl, he's like, that's going to bite you come back and bite you in the ass because one day you might have a daughter and you're going to hold her and she's crying while she's going through the exact same thing that you might've put a girl through when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that is going to be the shittiest feeling. If you realize that in that moment, then the effect that you had on people. And he's like, just nip that in the ass. He's like, wear your heart on your sleeve. Don't lie about your emotions, right? If you're sad, you're sad. Mm-hmm. If you miss them, call them and text them that you miss them, especially with Dylan and Peyton dying. It's like, I got a really different perspective on that because it's like, if I miss you, I'm not, I'm not going to hold back because of my pride or my ego. I'm going to call you and text you that I miss you. If I want to see you, I'll be like, Hey, do you want to go for coffee? This or that, right? It's just like, man, like you don't realize how short life is and how like people talk. And if you don't respect people, like that's going to get around, you know, and it's going to, it's, it's, you, you get nothing out of it. And honestly, you make yourself look dumb. Mm-hmm. You make yourself look really bad and yeah like i don't i don't even know and like we're out we were out in the seminar with the head coach of the rockets and he's just like that was the one thing he emphasized like respect women like that is a big thing and he's like mm-hmm. you know like it, and don't be dumb social media like kids are so quick to go post something and things like that and like i've had friends that like we're going to do stuff and, and they're taking video and it's like hey i can't have that out there like I genuinely can't have that out there and this kid can't have that out there because he's a prospect for the draft and if that gets leaked on his draft day it's like in this that's the one of the cons about being a hockey player it's like you it can take 15 years to get yourself to that level it can take two hours to lose it yeah right and especially in this day and age and it's like don't send a hurtful text because guess what you some takes a screenshot you're fucked yeah. And just like, stay off. Don't be dumb on social media, respect people over it. And if you, like my big thing is like, I hate people coming at me like over social media. It's like, if you have a problem with me, man, come sit down and talk to me about it mm-hmm. because there's always two sides to the story. And I just think a lot of kids got to get that through their heads, especially. Mm-hmm. And like, with, like at the end of the day, just, like, just be a good person. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Be a good person and everything's going to fall in line for you, you know? 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and now I guess I just, couple little things before we kind of fully wrap it up, but what, uh, what would be your like all time biggest tip of advice for somebody that's struggling or will struggle with mental health? Biggest tip of advice going through it is this isn't permanent. You know what? This is, I'm not going to lie. It might not get better in a few months. It, it might not, but it does no harm to reach out and go learn new things and just to be a learner like if you're talking to a therapist don't get stubborn don't don't be naive to what they're saying just listen Mm -hmm. and just surround yourself with people that love you right surround yourself with good people doesn't matter who don't surround yourself with friends just because they have a lot of followers don't surround yourself with people because they're good looking just surround yourself with genuine people genuine people that will pick up the phone for you when you need it like I said, this isn't permanent. You're going to get through this eventually. Trust me. Um, keep grinding. And look, you got through every other day, every other tough day. Today's just another one, right? Like that's, that's what I tell myself anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. And what would be kind of like one of your, one of your all-time quotes that you kind of live by? I know you mentioned, I think you mentioned yeah, one of them. All-time quotes would be, Okay, I'm going to totally butcher this, but I saw it on Visco like a year ago and then it actually popped up back on my feet like three months ago. And it was like, the amount of time you spend overthinking, you miss everything worth living for. And I, I'd say that speaks to a bunch of different things. It's just like, don't, don't think too much in things. Mm-hmm. Like think of like, it, don't spend five hours on something, stressing over something, or worrying about something, if it's not going to matter in five years. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? Like, really? someone's pissing you off, who cares? Like, <laughs> don't, don't overthink it. Just let it happen. Like, like that's life. You're always going to have these issues. You're always going to have these problems. And it's just like, overthinking something, it'll, for me personally, it'll take everything out of you. And that'll be the only thing on your mind. So it's just like, live in the moment and take it day by day. Mm-hmm. Just day by day, Right like for me now i write three things i got to do for myself down on my whiteboard every morning i wake up mm-hmm. and i got to check those off before i can go to bed like it's just like take one day at a time you know like it's you're you're not in a rush as much as you think you gotta have life figured out at this age you're never gonna have it figured out you're gonna ask yourself at 60 you're not gonna have it figured out so yeah exactly just, just you know <laughs> live live just yeah, keep living you know exactly and where could where could uh where could anybody reach you, find you to actually, obviously? Um, yeah, so I got an Instagram. It's just my name, it's Josh McLaughlin. Um, I'm, I'm on my phone a bit. I'll uh, re-download that Instagram because I'll promote this podcast a bit and send me a message on there. I can link my Snapchat to that too. Um, I'll give my phone number to you so you can post that on the social media accounts and like, hey, like, I'm, I'm a lot better helping with this stuff than I'm actually dealing with it myself, I find, so get like don't be afraid to give me a call you know like, yeah exactly that's one thing my email is just josh mclaughlin 31 at gmail.com i'm on there quite a bit you can reach out and yeah like i'm not not too hard of a guy to find like not like i'm traveling right now can't really go anywhere so but, <laughs> yeah like i would if anyone out there's this and needs help like i'd love to help you know mm-hmm. and uh hopefully we can do something like this together one day you know mm-hmm. exactly yeah and that's that's like the biggest thing too is just being 
open, I guess vulnerable enough to want to share your story, but two, to actually support others and be open and as open as you are to having these conversations with other people and helping. And it's funny that you say that though, because that's exactly how I feel sometimes is that I'm way better at helping other people with it than I am helping myself with it. (laughs) And you know, all the steps, you know how to go about it. But at the end of the day, you kind of just sit there and you're like, wow, this is so much easier if I just help somebody else. And you give them all the advice that you want to follow, but you don't always follow it. And that's when it becomes tough, but Hey, it's the process. And it's just, Takes and I would, yeah, one thing, sorry to interrupt. One thing I'd say, just like if someone over there is trying to help someone else going through this, it's like, do not relate your situation to theirs because mm-hmm. it is the complete opposite. For yeah. you and I, we're actually fortunate enough where some of the stuff is actually like pretty similar, but it's yeah. like when you're going through some or when, when someone's going through something and it's like, oh, yeah, like, oh, I've been there too. It's like in, in their head, you might have, but yeah. you haven't, right? It's like, don't make people, like, just make them feel wanted. Mm-hmm. Make them feel heard. Exactly. Right? And yeah, if, sure. someone, if someone picks up the phone and is venting to you, they don't need advice. Sometimes they just need someone to talk to. And that's yeah. what I wish I would have, would have had a couple of years ago. So Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. somebody, just like an open, open set of ears just to listen and actually listen and show that they're listening and not – not just sitting there going, uh-huh. And then as like my biggest pet peeve ever, and this is going a little off here, but um, is just when you're having these conversations with people and you think that they're listening and then you can tell that they're really not. And they're more so just sitting there and it's going in one ear out the other. And it's almost like just obviously finding the, those right people to have these conversations with and and knowing who you're speaking to and knowing that they can handle it and that they're willing to sit there and listen to the things that you have to say and to be that support system, if you will. But yeah, yeah. I would just say like, don't go, don't go through it alone. It'll, it'll literally kill you. You know, like don't open up. People would rather you miss a couple of weeks of school trying to figure it out or your parents would rather you come wake them up at four in the morning than get a call at four saying you're dead, you know? So it's, yeah. it's realistic. I've been to a 13 year old's funeral and I've been to a 19 year old's funeral and they're not fun. They're the saddest things I've ever been to. And it's just like, if we can prevent even one of those and we've done our job, you know? So it's, exactly. it's uh, yeah. Reach out, talk to people. I'm here. Lucas is here. Mm-hmm. Right. Just 100%. talk to your loved ones. So, Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well yeah. josh i truly yeah. like cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast appreciate Every, you. everything you said was like unbelievable and for me i related to it almost to a t and i felt like you were telling my yeah. story for the most part but no it was honestly like it was amazing and just the wisdom that you have being 17 years old is crazy. And I think a lot of people will either listen to this podcast and look up to you, or even just see that you're on this podcast and look up to you, confide in you, message you, support you. Like it's going to be, I'm very excited to release this one. And I, I just can't thank you enough. Yeah. Yeah, No worries. Appreciate that. Uh, Enjoy Ontario. Yeah, I will. Don't get sick. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, 
awesome talking to you and i know that we'll uh we'll keep in contact that sounds good. and uh, i'll talk to you really soon all righty sounds good appreciate it lucas have a good one yeah of course you too talk to you later thanks so much for listening to another episode of struggle create strength i hope everyone enjoyed josh's story and i encourage you to reach out to him and have some vulnerable conversations with him if you want to reach me or come on the podcast you're more than welcome to at struggle create strength on both instagram and facebook or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Be sure to follow all platforms, subscribe to all platforms, and share it with your friends and family because the more that you share it, the more people that it has the potential to help. Also, there still is the giveaway going on for the next couple of days ending on December 12th, and this giveaway is sponsored by Rebecca Aiken of The Aiken Group. We're giving away AirPod Pros a Struggle Create Strength t-shirt, and more. Be sure to enter today because your time is running out. Thanks once again for listening to another episode of Struggle Create Strength. And just remember that everyone has a story.